0: this has the, the opportunity for the greatest turnaround in college football exists here today, and it's not one to be taken lightly. Sam, Colin under center, takes a knee, that is going to do it. The state Wildcats are the Big 12
1: champions. Tremaine Thompson will field it at the 5 to the 10, pass the numbers to the 20. 25, look out, 30. He's at the 40, to the midfield strike, to the 40, down the far sideline. 10, 5, to the house. Wildcat
2: touchdown for Tremaine Thompson. Welcome to Bring on the Podcast. Here's your host, A. Hernali. Hello and welcome to another episode of Bring on the Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Luke Thompson. And today we have uh, our good friend, Melissa Trubwasser, the managing editor of Frogs of War, back to talk about TCU. Melissa, how are you? Uh,
1: It's not really a good question to ask today, but, um, (laughs) you know, I'm here. So we've got that going. It's almost basketball season, so yeah, I guess there are yeah. things to be excited about uh, around TCU, but football uh, not really one
2: of them. Right, I, I was going to say, from our perspective, I think both of us, that the best thing about this Saturday is it's the last one until basketball season starts.
1: Yes, yes, yeah, 100% <laughs> agree. I, I am definitely at the point of, I don't know that is going to win another football game this year, so it's just kind of a uh, resignation and disappointment and hey, it's almost basketball season. That's where we're at over in Fort Worth.
2: Yeah, yeah. And so I wanted to start off by uh, asking about the injury situation. Would it be easier to just list the starters who aren't injured? Or... <laughs>
1: As, on defense, yeah, pretty much. Uh, you know, Ty Summers went out of that ball game Saturday along with Nico Small, um, who we had just gotten back. I don't know what their status is going forward. Um, it's, it's early here Monday morning uh, at this point, and so Patterson's uh, Big 12 press conference will happen in about an hour and we'll know more than, but he's notoriously not one to talk very much about injuries and who will or won't yeah. play. We are um,
2: familiar but, with that.
1: Yes. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> but, but even he at this point, I think is just amazed by how many key players have gone out starting in preseason camp with Ross Blacklock and, It seems like every game, especially on the defensive side of the ball, we lose another player or two.
2: Yeah. Is it as bad as, was it Was it two years ago that you guys were really
1: hit hard by injuries? 2015, um, where we had, I think, 30 different starters out over the course of of the season, so more starters and positions played. It's not quite (laughs) there. Um, Also, you know, this isn't exactly the same team that 2015 was, and so while that that was more disappointing because the potential was higher at this group was kind of a rebuilding year anyways but it's not that the numbers don't match but the key players and important positions uh, the veteran leadership that we've lost over the course of the season has probably been just as damaging
2: okay and of course uh one of the big injuries was qb sean robinson was shut down for the year uh how's michael collins doing stepping in yeah, he so
1: he came in in the second quarter against OU two weeks ago and gave the Frogs a real spark offensively. You know, he's he's a guy that plays like he's got nothing to lose. Uh, coming in as the backup, when you get your shot, you're, you're more likely to take some chances and, and just kind of play free. And he looked like that mm-hmm. in the second quarter. And then he got the, the most disgusting blister I've ever seen <laughs> on a, a quarterback in college football uh, about halfway through that game and barely completed any passes since then. But against Kansas, he led the Frogs over 500 yards of offense. Struggled to convert scoring opportunities, but you know the, the thing that Michael Collins was really smart to do is the minute that he stepped foot on the field for TCU, he just started looking for Jalen Rager, and Rager had huge touchdown catch against Oklahoma, and he had 170-something yards against Kansas, so Collins obviously knows who his playmakers are, and he's looking to find those guys and willing to, to zero in on them and take some chances down the field and to get the ball in his best player's hands. Yeah.
2: And he's got some running ability too, right? I think he's—I saw he racked up a few rushing yards.
1: Yeah, it, my our kind of our walking meme of spring football with Gary Patterson saying Michael Collins runs better than you think. Um, <laughs> kind of he – because you know Sean Robinson is known for being a mobile guy, but but Collins is a really like big. White dude, and so he just kind of looks slow, but but he uh he moves well, he moves the pocket well. You have yeah. to have some escapability to play behind what's left of this DC offensive line, and, and so his ability to, to get some yard positive yardage on the ground is a help. Um, but again, you know, the frogs really just didn't convert when it mattered yeah. on Saturday, and so yeah. I still don't think we can say, yeah, Michael Collins is a better quarterback than Sean Robinson but he sure can uh, put up offense and chumps when it comes to the yardage between the 20s.
2: Yeah, and all due respect to Michael Collins but he's going to look really slow to the K-State defense after seeing Kyler Murray yeah. <laughs> Well,
1: Yeah, I, I think, I think uh, Usain Bolt looks slow when he <laughs> played Kyle, Kyler Murray on, God, he, I was on the field uh, for a little bit of the, the OU game and man watching that dude in person down on field level, he, he's a special athlete. Yeah. I hate the guy.
2: I mean, he would like. when the announcers talked about different situations. He would just be like, "Oh, look there. There's a lineman. Um, hold on. Oh, I'm just gonna run away from you now." I mean, yeah,
1: it's it's, totally it's pretty insane worried. what he's capable of doing. So, but yeah, Collins is is a far cry from from Kyler Murray, but he's definitely uh, he, he can make some things happen. And and probably you know in the same similar vein of what we're used to seeing out of K. quarterbacks. And like, how did that dude just pick up 25 right. yards? That's that's kind of Michael Collins. <laughs>
2: Okay, so now Drew Snyder is going to do us join us. Drew, how you doing?
0: Good, man. I'm a, here in South Carolina, sitting okay. at the lake, enjoying life right now. Are,
2: are you going to have to do a, a rewatch of this last game? Or
0: I watch I was actually just watching the replay of the last game. Right? Why would Why so, would you do that to yourself? Yeah, I was, it was. <laughs> it's not good. It was not good.
2: Well, we're talking about some TCU quarterbacks and Melissa. I have to ask, you, I'm a big Justin Rogers fan from covering him in Louisiana. Yes, one of my favorite people. Uh, I know he's been cleared to play. And obviously with the new red shirt rules, he could potentially get some time and still keep his red shirt. So what are the chances that's going to happen?
1: Well, I I think cleared to play might be a little bit generous at this point. So the knee injury is cleared and healed, but he's been dealing with a little bit of a drop foot issue, um, which, you know, we've seen that with Jalen Smith uh, here in DFW on the Cowboys. And sometimes that that can be a lingering thing that, that takes a couple of years to heal. So I think that Patterson is hoping to get Rodgers some live-action snaps, but there's definitely a sense among TCU fans that they would rather not see him play and risk something bad happening um, because when, when you can't control your foot, you know, there's some kind of paralysis there. There's more of an opportunity for injury. And so I think unless he's fully healthy, we won't see him, but I think the hope is definitely to get him some action here down the stretch with only four games remaining and, and a bowl game looking unlikely at this point. Maybe he doesn't play this weekend, but maybe we get a chance to see him in November with Baylor coming up. It's not exactly known as a defensive stalwart, <laughs> um, and then Oklahoma State also kind of doesn't have a, a ton of a defensive aptitude at this point in the year. So I don't, I don't yeah. know that those are games that I think TC will win, but maybe games where the offensive line can hold <laughs> up enough to keep Rodgers out of danger. But yeah, I think I think everybody really excited to see a healthy Sean Robinson and a healthy Justin Rodgers uh, compete in 2019 for the starting job and right now the path for justin rogers to take over a redshirt freshman looks really really straight
2: yeah I'm a, i'd love to see him do some big things him. us too
1: we yeah. after after this year i mean everyone loves john <laughs> robinson the person a lot but i think that there's definitely hope that, that maybe justin comes in and, and is a really strong contender for that job
2: and you just mentioned that uh, two defenses that k-state scored 30 plus against so i think that definitely supports your your hypothesis that they're not Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think I think those would be the two where I would I would expect to see him. I don't think we're gonna see him this weekend. I just I don't think he's ready yet.
2: The other thing I wanted to ask you with the offense is, you know, Cavante Turpin is still one of the scariest guys in the Big Twelve with the ball. So is he getting the ball enough for
1: this offense? Oh, wow. You have missed some uh, really, really big news, my friend. Oh, is he hurt?
0: Um, yeah, he's gone. No um, he
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm sorry. That's right. I don't wow, know why I forgot about toll. that.
1: Were you, were you trolling me there just a little bit? Yeah, I forgot <laughs> about, about, about that like, one. So, okay. thanks. Appreciate that. Yeah.
2: Well, you got the other wide receiver, Jalen Rager. How's he doing?
1: Rager's great. Uh, Rager's had a couple of big games. Uh, over, over the course of this season. He had a huge game against Kansas. Uh, he's a guy that's going to win one-on-one battles against almost everybody in the conference. And what will be interesting now is to see if, uh, if teams stop letting him be in one-on-one situations. Now that, that Michael Collins seems not, not afraid to throw the ball down the field, uh, Sean Robinson spent so much time running for his life and running scared. He took a lot of hard hits um, behind an offensive line that just hasn't done a good job of protecting him. Collins doesn't have that look about him. He's willing to hang in there right now. He's also not hurt. You know, Robinson was playing through some some injuries here. So I think we'll see more teams kind of shade over some help to, to regular side. But right now, the way he's playing, like that's the guy who who needs to get the ball that they're looking for down the field. Uh, he has been as good as advertised and continues to look better and better each game and has since he was a true freshman. So uh, he's somebody that the TCU fans are really, really excited about. And if we can just survive the rest of this season and give him an opportunity next year with hopefully a better quarterback situation, a better offensive line situation, he's got All-American potential for sure.
2: That's definitely a guy, especially if Duke Shelley's not back, K-State's going to want to probably put a couple guys on. I mean, well,
1: and, and the thing the thing that's cool about Rager, too, is that he's a guy that, that's super, super fast, and he can run a fly route, and he can be, get past most people, um, and then when you shade the safety over the top, he's a guy that can, can play in short yardage situations, you can give the ball to, you know, in screens and bubble screens and, and you know, even in running plays, and he can make guys miss. Um, he's just so physically strong and so dominant, the line of scrimmage, that there's a lot of ways they can find it to exploit mismatches with Rager at the helm, and... I think that uh, that hopefully the offensive play calling has been a little bit uh, less than good this year, <laughs> but hopefully they really focus on getting him the ball and against Kansas State because if TCU's going to have a shot to win this game, they're going to have to put points up. That's that's really the only way they can do it. To do that, you've got to have Rager with the ball in his hands.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and Drew, from what oh, you- Melissa, I actually have a quick question for you. Uh, sort of going back to the Turpin thing, do you feel like TCU has had the most like, high profile... I don't know if... if Like, you've lost a lot of players, but I feel like every year it's like, oh, TCU's best player is kicked off the team.
1: Starting with um, with Devontae Fields. um, Fields, and and then Boykin, and and now Chirpin. So three, yeah. three in the last five years, which, you know, isn't a small number by any stretch of the imagination when you consider the caliber of player those guys are. I, I want to believe that it's because TCU does hold their athletes to a higher standard um, and that I, I'd imagine that around the country, a lot of times at certain programs, maybe the best players – when they're doing bad things, it gets hidden. I mean, we've seen that in another Texas school here, uh, just down the road for TCU. And and the one thing I'll say, and there are some questions about, you know, Turpin's previous arrest and that TCU didn't do their due diligence there um, clearly. And so it's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But the one thing that we've always known Gary Patterson to be in the 21 years that he's been a part of the TCU football program is that if he knows there's no grace. Once it's it's a violent act, those guys are gone. And really, the only exception that he's made to that was Casey Paulha, who had a um, an alcohol problem, and so he was removed from the program and sent to rehab and told that if he cleaned up his act, he'd be welcome back. And when he did get clean, he was welcome back to the program. And you know, that guy ended up graduating, got his degree, got married, has a family, has a career. And so, you know, that was one of those situations where giving him a second chance was, you know, clearly the right thing to do. But when it comes to violence against women, when it comes to, to drug usage and things like that, Patterson has had a, historically a very, very short leash, and it doesn't matter who the guy is. If, if you get in trouble and you're the best player or you're a walk-on, that's it. You're gone. And then it's really, uh, I guess that's what you want out of your head football coach is to draw a hard line when it comes to violent crimes.
0: Yeah, it's just always like every, every. it seems like every year, I was like, man, I can't believe TCU <laughs> TC yeah. lost their best player again, again. or something crazy yeah, has happened. Again, like Fields has gone to, like, he went to Louisville, right?
1: Yeah, he went to Louisville. Yeah, so there's another program where,
0: uh,
2: yeah, yeah. That was, that high of a yeah. I mean, did you see the, the one, comment?
0: One year where Louisville had all a uh, bunch of uh, five star uh, guys join the defense after being kicked off of other teams, <laughs> if I remember yeah. correctly.
2: Did you see that comment on Twitter? From I think it was Emmanuel Acho, Texas, where he essentially yes. said, like, yeah, if you suspend guys, you know you shouldn't be suspending top guys because it'll hurt your team's performance. Like,
1: no, well, at the end of the day, like <laughs> I would, and I've said this for years, and it's now being put to the test. I would rather be, you know, a, a three and nine team or a, a four and eight team of people that were high character and that that held to the mission of the university and the mission of the football program and. Guys that I could be proud of that just weren't playing very good versus having a bunch of guys who were horrible people off of the field and were being covered up and enabled by a program, and so uh, that's being put to the test. I mean, I, I lo- like the thing that sucks with Turpin is, is what he did is is horrible, right? It's completely inexcusable. Mm-hmm. Like I'm glad he's gone, but that was a guy who was always smiling, who was always happy, who loved football. Mm-hmm who gave 100% every single thing that he did. It was so easy to root for. And so seeing a guy who looked so much to be one person on the football field and apparently was so much a different person off of it, like – that hurts. I mean, he was a real fan favorite. Kids loved him, probably because he was about the same size as most of them. But um, it, it that was just a devastating blow, not just from uh, losing a player whose performance is so exceptional on the field, but losing a guy who was such a locker room leader and was really the heart and soul of the team, you know, from the locker room to the football field. And I think that was a devastating blow to TCU that definitely affected them Saturday. Yeah.
2: Well, Melissa, we probably should um, maybe talk about the defense a little bit. Uh, you know, how do you go from from two 17 17-14 games to, you know, to OU, fine, you go to 52, but then you go to 27 points to, to Kansas. Uh, has this defense taken some steps back? Uh, yeah, um,
1: they've lost a lot of them. Uh... Really crucial veteran players at yeah. important positions. And, you know, Patterson is not making the injury excuse, but I certainly will for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got a banged-up Julius Lewis at one-quarter spot, a banged-up Jeff Gladney at another corner spot. I'm not even sure that Gladney played on Saturday, to be honest. Nico Small comes in for a couple of series, and then he gets hurt. He's the, the captain, the quarterback of the secondary. Uh, you're starting uh, Ridwan Isahaku, who's is the only returning starter. He missed the entire spring ball. Because of uh, being separated from the team for personal reasons. And so he's just getting back to 100%. Uh, you've got Trayvon Moore Woodard, who looks like he's going to be an absolute stub, it's a true freshman. And so there's some serious growing pains there. And then you've had to move Garrett Wallow back to safety because of the injuries. He's been playing linebacker for the last year and a half. And so He's not, you know, he's not in that mold of of being ready to cover guys. And he's just a little bit too slow because he's been playing linebacker and he's gotten a little bit bigger. And that affects, you know, when you look at moving linebackers back to the secondary, now you've got to move defensive linemen like Ty Summers back to linebacker and then he gets hurt. Um, And so the Frogs are really, really small at the linebacker position. Um, They're really inexperienced in the secondary and the defensive line just hasn't looked right since Ross Blacklock went out. Um, You need that big guy that runs tougher in the middle and, Puka really got going for Kansas. You know, he didn't have a huge day, but he did enough. And he was, Kansas really did a good job of converting on third down against TCU. And I think that just comes down to defensive Mm. inexperience and just not being able to make tackles, which has been a problem Mm. all season as well. So you combine injuries with inexperience with just not, these guys just maybe not being the players that we thought they were. And and you end up with losing to Kansas and giving up 27 (laughs) points to the worst team in the conference. Yeah. I
2: mean, it's kind of strange. We're so used to Gary Patterson teams being physical, and you know, a hallmark of his teams every year. And certainly, OU did not look very beat up on Saturday. After yeah. see, it's it's strange to see this team.
1: I think they'll be. The talent is there. Yeah. There's a lot of talent. The frogs have recruited at such a higher level than we've seen in the Gary Patterson era, and so I just think I think there's also some growing pains too for, for Patterson and his staff adjusting from recruiting guys that are two and three stars that were maybe offensive players in high school and that, that just have this certain hunger to them versus recruiting guys that have been told how great they are for you know four or five years and have been physically dominant in high school so maybe the work ethic is a problem maybe the hunger is a problem maybe the toughness is a problem when you are that athletic and you're playing against guys who you know, you tower over physically, then you've never really had to give 100%. And when you get to the D1 level, you know, everybody was the best player on their high school team. And so I think that that there's just not, there's a lack of toughness um, on the defensive side of the ball. I think that there's a lot of, maybe a lack of coachability. Uh, These guys maybe needed to be brought back down to earth and maybe having a three or four win season will be enough to do that. and, And hopefully we see a much improved team in 2019. Yeah.
2: Well, let's that's, that's go ahead and switch over to the basketball just for a little bit. Uh, oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> so, TCU comes out ranked 20th in the country, I think fourth in the conference. And actually, it was interesting, one of the guys on our blog the other day was talking about the other good big 12 teams, and he didn't mention TCU, and I pointed out, he, oh, I, I just forgot, you know. I, I was wondering, you know, do you think TCU, there's still any sense of, oh, it's TCU, they can't be that good at basketball, or uh, are they ranked where they should be?
1: You know, it'll be interesting. I think that there's still a little bit of an acceptance of, oh, wait a minute, he has a basketball program now, you know, and and that's fair. Like that's completely reasonable, fair thing to do. They did a lot of good things last year. Obviously making the tournament for the first time in 20 years was huge, but it wasn't like that program had arrived. What they did was become a really competitive Big 12 team that was capable of knocking off the best in the conference on any given night. So the, the leap this year is, OK, you get ranked in the preseason, but now are you going to prove it every single evening that you are one of the top teams, and not just in the conference, but in the country? And uh, it'll be interesting to see if TC can do that. Jamie Dixon has, has said they're overrated. They mm. said that they can't <laughs> believe their own hype right now because they have eight new guys. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of question marks down low, especially with right. losing Kendrick Williams and, and Vladimir Is Do they have a rim protector? Do they have a guy who can rebound? Do they have a, a tough guy like Kenny Hustle was? And so it's weird. Like, this is a whole new world of, oh, we're ranked in the preseason. Like, what does that mean? How do, we, how do we deal with that as TCU fans? Is it something we should get excited about or should it scare us to death? I think most of us are kind of somewhere in the middle of that. The potential for this team to be a force is, is absolutely there, especially offensively. Uh, they could be one of the top scoring teams in the country with all the weapons that they have. And, and they have so much depth in the backcourt. Um, yeah. You know, outside of the point guard position, which will be, you know, Alex Robinson and hopefully Jalen Fisher, the guards and the, and the small forwards mm-hmm. can do a lot of things. Are really versatile, really athletic, and can really shoot it from deep. And so, if the interior game is just good enough, then I think that TCU has a chance to finish in the top three in the conference. If it if it's better than we expect. Then I don't know. Maybe they can compete with Kansas State, who I think is is probably still underrated in the Big Twelve because uh, Dean Wade gives me nightmares to this day. <laughs> and, and of course, Kansas, if they're you know haven't all been arrested by the time the yeah. pick, uh, tips off. So, um, but I, it's, I'm interested to see if, if one of these young centers uh, can really step up and, and give give the frogs a, a good defensive presence inside, and if that happens maybe a run to the Sweet 16 isn't unreasonable. You could, of course, you could finish fifth in the Big 12 and still make a run to the Sweet 16. We know that. So uh, it's going to be fun. I'm I'm really excited and, uh, with the way basketball or football season has been going, basketball season, oddly enough, will be a welcome reprieve for TC fans. <laughs>
2: yeah, well, it's, it's just too bad Bill Self is such a victim in that
0: situation.
1: I know. God, I feel so bad for that program. Yeah. I just nothing ever goes their way. They, yeah. they just There's a magnifying glass <laughs> around them, and it's very unfair. <laughs> I do feel bad
0: for Bill. I've been lighting a candle for him every night. You know? <laughs> it's good to
1: you. It's good to you. He needs it. You know, just Thoughts he does. and prayers, Bill.
0: Good Lord. I have four, Kai. Yeah, well, so to be caught up in all these yeah. good players wanting to come to his program, and then mm-hmm. just surprisingly, surprisingly, they're dirty. It's just shocking. Yeah, yeah really, it is. For me, at least. Yeah, yeah.
2: Well, Melissa, I think we, we'd love to talk to you more about basketball. Hopefully, we get a chance to do that later, but I know you got to get back to work and stuff, so we will let you go now if you'd like. Um, you want to make a prediction for us though for, for Saturday's game. For, for some reason, it's a two thirty game. I don't know why they didn't stick it eleven, eleven.
0: Prime time, um. baby.
1: <laughs> uh, well, so my number one, my, my confidence in this game is so high that I'm actually leaving town uh, <laughs> to not be here for it. So uh, this is the the first and only TCU home game that I'll miss this year. It's the first one that I've missed in probably three years. But I'm really not leaving because of, of TCU football at this planned already. But um, <laughs> I just, I don't, until TCU wins another game, it's going to be really hard for me to think that they will. Um, And so at this point, I, I think, I think, I mean, Oklahoma game aside, Kansas State looked pretty solid the last couple of weeks. They're doing some things on offense and moving the ball. The defense is, is serviceable, which is more than I can say about that TCU's defense over the last couple of weeks. So, well, that's not sure. They were, they were really, really good against Texas Tech and then really bad against Oklahoma and really bad against Kansas. So um, I think that, that K-State pulls it off. I think they run the ball down TCU's throats, and this, this game feels like it could be a lot like that. 2016 game was um I, I will never forget how awful that game was to watch and so can't stop the run game it's gonna be really hard to win ball games and so i think kansas state takes it 27 24 over tcu
2: okay yeah, yeah, yeah. and probably wow. with, with a miss, miss, miss extra point know. right because kansas state's had some kicking situations <laughs> sure
1: yeah that's what we'll do we'll do yeah we'll do we'll do it not, <laughs> not a couple of field goals in second play. <laughs> yeah.
2: All right. Well, Melissa, thanks for joining us. We always appreciate it. Uh, yeah.
1: Thanks for having me on and, and for making the uh, the early morning call here. I know that that's not ideal for y'all, but yeah, I appreciate no,
2: it. No problem. No problem. All right. Have a good one.
1: Take care.
2: All right. You too. Talk to y'all later. Bye. Yeah. Uh, Drew. Well. Uh, so now we're going to talk a little bit more about K State and uh, Melissa said some nice things there, but uh, there weren't a lot of nice things to say after. Saturday, you know, it seems like we're about at least back to where we are before the the OSU game, if not lower than that, right now. I mean, where where do you see this team at the moment?
0: Yeah, well, first of all, I want to say this is this TCU game coming up is, is weird because I feel like all as far as predictions go, because I feel like all the Kansas State people are predicting a TCU win, and all the TCU people <laughs> are predicting a Kansas State win, yeah. so like. I, feel, I feel, like we feel like both fan bases have hit rock bottom. Uh, yeah, so I just watched the Oklahoma game on replay, and that was, I mean, the defense was about as bad as it could possibly be. Uh, but uh, Oklahoma did not cooperate like Oklahoma State did. Oklahoma basically just brought in the Kansas State linebackers and just destroyed them. That was like a lot of their attack was just. They almost—I don't ever think I've seen a team just completely ignore a team's linebackers before. But I think Oklahoma just assumed that they weren't going to make tackles, so they didn't <laughs> really block them or consider them in the pass game. It was like it was like Kansas State was playing down three players, and then with Duke Shelley out with unspecified injuries, I'm assuming.
2: Yeah, sure.
0: That there's just nothing there. The tackling was bad. The scheme was bad. Kyler Murray. I'm not sure anybody touched him yeah. while he was attempting a pass uh,
2: <laughs> that I was
0: watching. Yeah. Um, so if you let him, and we didn't even put our hands up and try to block some of the passes because he's only like 5'8", but our linemen didn't get their hands up or to try to at least deflect some of those or get in his line of sight. It was just, it was a amazingly bad i don't know if i've ever seen such a poor defensive performance i mean he was just multiple levels he
2: was running away from those guys like they were little kids chasing him (laughs) yeah
0: oh that that one run by oh the ou running back he was in the second quarter where he just he breaks through the line and then Patton attempts to tackle him and it wasn't he didn't even slow down It was a one-on-one, and Patton didn't even slow him down on the way to the end zone. Was that
2: the long run by by Kennedy Brooks?
0: Yes, yes, that was. Mm -hmm. Where, Yeah, it looked like a toddler was attempting to tackle him. (laughs) It was complete disregard for... I'm not even sure Kennedy Brooks realized that Patton attempted to tackle him. (laughs) I mean, it was bad. The linebacker play was bad. The secondary, which is normally good, struggled uh, because... uh, with Shelley out, the safeties didn't play well. Goolsby got burned on a deep pass in the first quarter when the game was still competitive. Yeah, it was just really just a poor showing. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. Yeah, I mean the talent. The talent was obviously the talent gap was obvious, and especially on the defensive side of the ball, especially at the linebacker position, especially at the defensive end position. I think Mitty played fairly well. But other than that, I mean, I don't think our defensive ends. I don't even know who is playing that night because <laughs> I didn't actually do anything. Yeah.
2: yeah. I mean, as bad as the defense was, oh. like, to, a, <laughs> to a certain degree, to a certain degree, the defense was, was not expected to, to do a lot. But, you know, I thought the offense would be able to move the ball, and they, just, they couldn't open any holes for Alex, Alex Barnes. The, the receivers got no separation as we're, as we're kind of becoming accustomed to seeing but I I I thought we were going to be able to at least run the ball a little bit. What what do you think happened there?
0: Uh, Yeah, so basically I feel like Oklahoma had no respect for Kansas State's ability to throw the ball more than 10 yards down the field. (laughs) Um, So Kansas State was running against, like, every Oklahoma defender was basically in the box or close enough to make a tackle, and they were just not going to let Alex Barnes beat them and uh, make Skylar Thompson win the game with his arm, and obviously that did not happen. Mm-hmm. Barnes, actually, I was watching, there was that one drive, it was like the third series, where that was what Kansas State had to do to win the ball. It was a long, extended drive. Barnes ran the ball well. Thompson did some stuff with his feet and his legs. Uh, they overcame a penalty and punched it in for that, that one first-half touchdown. and That was like the formula against Oklahoma, but it just, they couldn't repeat it. And again, I think a lot of it was just Oklahoma just smashing the field and giving Kansas State no room to run. I thought Barnes ran well, but he, he was, I don't know if he made it out of the backfield without being hit once that game. Mm-hmm. He was always, Oklahoma's always in the backfield, always attacking. Uh, it reminded me a lot of the uh, West Virginia game where we just couldn't get anything going because they were just flooding the backfield with players. And yeah. uh, we just didn't have enough blockers. Uh, it doesn't matter how good offensive line is, if they just send more people than you can block because they don't respect your passing game. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, that's what they did. Yeah. And, uh, presumably
2: we will we will see more of that.
0: Uh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that would be that's what I expected Oklahoma state to do mm-hmm. and they didn't do that. Which is what allowed us to win. Yeah. If I was playing Kansas state, I would play everybody, everybody in the box, challenge Skylar Thompson to make deep throws and uh profit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. But
2: yeah, I mean it uh, it's weird so K-State's in a situation now. They get TCU and Kansas like they they could potentially win those two games. I mean, it wouldn't take a miracle um and then you just need to find one more against tech or, or iowa state for, for a bowl game I, I don't know can we hold out much hope for that and, and should that really change how we feel about the the snyder situation right now and how, what needs to happen after the season
0: no i don't think squeaking into a bad bowl game yeah. uh, really changes the, the situation i think what you're seeing is more <laughs> The losses are just symptoms of a broken program right Mm now on a couple different levels. Uh, And I I don't know if Snyder is going to be able to sort of pull Kansas State out of this tailspin. You know, the Big 12 has gotten better, and the talent in the Big 12 is better. And I just don't see us overcoming that talent gap with execution anymore than you know, six or seven wins a year at this point. Yeah. So, unless they turn the assistance loose and start pulling in some better recruits. I mean, I don't want to, like, speak badly to the kid because obviously we haven't seen him play yet, and he could be a good player, but I was like, oh, Kansas State just got a linebacker. And then I was like, oh, they beat out Incarnate Word. That was his only two offers. I mean, again, not saying that, you know, the kid's not won't be good, or or isn't, but isn't, that's you know, you, you get what you recruit at some point. Yeah. And all those guys can't be hits. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I think that's what they're sort of relying on at this point is a lot of these guys being crazy evaluation hits where nobody else saw it. Yeah. It's yeah. just tough to win like that. Yeah. yeah.
2: And it almost feels like, and maybe, you know, I don't want too much into it, but it kind of feels like we've reached a, a new low when players are tweeting about... Things need to change within the program, you know. I mean, maybe that's the thing that that finally convinces Snyder, hey, it's time to to hang it up. I, I don't know at this point. But.
0: Uh, yeah, you know, I feel like there's the player unrest. You can only take so many bad beatings before you just can't, you know, can't take it anymore and start speaking out. Strangely enough, this is one of the reasons why I kind of like Clemson has a in-season Twitter ban or a social oh. media ban
1: <laughs> to sort
0: of. You keep these sort of things in house, because when they start getting out in the media, that's that's when when things get really off for a program.
2: Yeah. Well, hopefully, Casey, I guess can we'll find a way to pull it together, and, and honestly, hopefully, at this point, we get a a nice Bill Snyder. You know, thanks for everything, but it's time for me to step down. and ask her, At some point.
0: Um. Yeah. So, all right. Luke. As a diehard Kansas State fan, I, I do have a question for you. Okay. Would you rather see Kansas State squeak into a bowl game, or at this point is it time to go straight down the toilet bowl and make it clear that a change needs to happen?
2: But uh, know that's a tough question to answer because I think you know the, the, you're assuming that. Are you, I mean, I don't know if, if K State you know doesn't make it to a bowl game. I'm not sure if that's gonna make the difference. That like, if you could tell me that KC doesn't make it to the bowl game, Snyder leaves, then yeah, I'd probably take it at, that, at this point. But I honestly, I don't know if that would be enough for, for him to step down at this point. If he doesn't have a, a guarantee that John's gonna be the next coach, you know, I don't know what his end game <laughs> is. On, I mean, it still feels like maybe he wants to to stick this out until John is coaching or until he physically can't coach anymore. So. I don't know. Does that make sense? I don't know, that was kind of a random, rambling answer.
0: Yeah, that does make that does make sense. That the, so you're saying go, go ahead and win some games because you don't know if it's going to matter right. uh, matter for the coaching change anyway. That hitting rock bottom may not do it.
2: Yeah, that's what I'm afraid of. And it would take a lot of guts to to fire Bill Snyder. And honestly, I don't I don't know if it'd be a, the right decision in any case because it would. It would just look weird to fire a guy who's, you know, got his name on the stadium and the highway and everything else. Yeah.
0: I don't think they can fire him. No. I think internally they can put Mm – I think they can make a convincing argument Mm -hmm. for him to retire. And I don't think – I guess the question is Snyder called their bluff. Uh, If they said, all right, we want you to retire – (laughs) <laughs> if you don't retire, we might fire you i don't or we will fire you do you, do you think snyder would just call her yeah. bluff and say go ahead and fire i,
2: I think there's a good yeah. chance he would yeah honestly or do
0: you, yeah i do it just seems so much against the best interest of a program that he has built though. it's 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 sort of a weird spot for bill i guess yeah because it start to look like his retirement is in the best interest of a program that he built from scratch and him not leaving gracefully at this point, I think would be just a huge blow to the program for the next 10 years.
2: Yeah. Um,
0: so I, I don't, I mean, you know, he's in a tough spot. He wants his family legacy, I guess, to continue on. But at the same time, I don't, I don't know that hiring nepotism is, has ever <laughs> you know, worked out in Oklahoma when the situation mm-hmm. they were in, they, Got one of the best defensive coordinators in the country to hire, you know, head coach and brother. And you know, <laughs> that's probably cost them at least a national championship mm-hmm. over the last 10 years. And uh, I can think of another, I really, I'm, just, I'm having a hard time thinking of, of another situation like this. Well,
2: one of the, you can bring the, uh, the history
0: uh, of college football. Yeah.
2: I was thinking um, you could switch to college basketball and you look at the Pat Knight situation at Texas Tech that didn't work out very well. Yeah, there aren't a whole lot of parallels. Definitely a concern.
0: And what Bill is doing now, because I feel like the program needs a a change. I feel like some things have gotten stale, and some things that worked in the past, and some maybe some recruiting inefficiencies that uh, Kansas State was able to benefit from. Are gone, I feel like it's harder to find those diamonds in the rough because there's so much more information out there in recruiting where these guys don't just sort of really good players don't stay off the radar even if they're in small towns um, if you're good teams start are finding you now, and so I don't know what Sean brings that's any different than what Bill has going on right now. Mm-hmm. Uh so and unless he unless he is able to make a, a great start this is what I want to do, this is powerful this is my plan. Uh I just I don't see it being and honestly I could see Kansas State with if this goes poorly, this could be a I don't want to say a defence, but a like a ten year problem. Yeah, because I I really feel like this season and at worst next season is really going to be a, a tipping point for the program and it can go in one of two directions. I don't think they can maintain the six, seven sort of way. Definitely, I, I could either see it with the right eye it go back to it normally is. I need to go back to, you know, Kansas levels of just being awful.
2: Yeah.
0: Do we want to go ahead and make some? TCU predictions, uh, oh, since geez. Melissa went out on the line uh, and uh, predicted her own doom and gloom demise for her program. Uh, are we going to back her up, or are we going to uh, predict Kansas State win?
2: I, I don't know if I can see this team winning a game at TCU, honestly. It seems like they, I, I don't know, I haven't watched too much of them to say for sure, but yeah, I have a hard time seeing k State win this one uh, unless they catch some breaks. I'm gonna say k State loses by a touchdown.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I don't. The only thing I can see happening is Alex Barnes once again. That's the formula. If Alex Barnes can run the ball on TCU, Kansas State can win. I think she's probably right. It's gonna be. I think it's gonna be somewhere 21-17. 24 20, something like that and honestly I think it's just a toss-up it doesn't Mm -hmm. either team could win or lose I don't see it being a blowout I don't think either team can score enough points to do that but I'm gonna go ahead and predict Kansas to win here just uh be contrarian
2: (laughs) okay well I appreciate the positivity we'll we'll end on that note (laughs) all right (laughs) thanks a lot
0: Drew thanks Luke